Johan van Rensburg has released quite a few songs through this platform before. So we have learned about him in the past, but I never assume people remember. So we always start from scratch introducing these people because he's got a brand new song. Look at the stars with the most gorgeous picture on there. But we're going to get to that. First, Johan, hello. How are you doing? Hello, I'm doing well, well in yourself. <laughs> I'm doing fine, thank you. Um, okay, introduce yourself to someone who's never, ever met you before. Johan van Rensburg, who are you? Well, I, I'm a musician. First of all, I'm a child of God, and I've been in ministry for my whole life. Ever. Led worship <laughs> for many, many years, and we've ventured out into our own ministry that God has called us to to move to the Western Cape right now. And um, we've seen so many miracles and so many salvations and just enjoying and just enjoying God who He is in us and through us and seeing lives change. So that's sort of in a nutshell who we are, just on fire people for Jesus and <laughs> taking the love of Jesus out. Yeah. Johan, where in the Western Cape? We are currently living in Hermanus, the most beautiful place on earth. Um, when we moved here, they said, yeah, that's the last place you go when you go to, you know, before you get heaven, you get Hermanus, you know, it's sort of. <laughs> the last stop <laughs> in the rung. <laughs> oh, my words. How'd God lead you down there? I mean, you were safely here, Gautengeling, and then you end up in the most gorgeous <laughs> place, unless, you know, it was you <laughs> wanted to go to well, let me, the sea. Let me start by saying uh, a while ago, like we, we really stepped out in faith, just trusting God and we gave our house away and everything sort of that we had, just moving out into the streets and everywhere. We went to Joburg and funny enough, when I was 15 years old, I said one day I will, I will live in the Western Cape, I will have an English wife and I'll have two girls and <laughs> I'm living in the Western Cape with an English wife and I've got two baby girls, which I love dearly. And uh, even with our walk of faith, there was one time everything just went really rough. And I was sitting crying. I said, God, you said in your word that you will not let us go through things that we can't handle. And, and God just reminded me what I asked for. He said, you want that reckless faith to walk in it, so walk in it. And um, so be careful what you say and what you wish for. I did say I wanted to live here since I was 15 years old, and I'm here. And it's all part of the desires that God put in your heart. When you're talking about reckless faith and ministry, what are you talking about? What do you do every day? Reckless faith is, I think, uh, the song that we released last year and coming to look at the stars, which is sort of a follow-up of You Made A Way. Um, there was one sentence that says, when I'm at the end of my rope, God comes in and makes a way. And... A couple of weeks ago when we started writing Look at the Stars and, and God's been speaking to us about this, you know, when we come to the end of our rope, when we have no hope left, we sort of always just cling on to God and we cry out for help and, and God makes a way. And God says, why don't you just let go of the rope completely and trust me? And we've heard so many things, uh, so stories, you know, people standing on a cliff, just a a story, this guy is at the edge of a cliff and he needs to get to the other side and he says, God, help me. And God says, jump. And eventually he's like, isn't there anybody else out there? You know, <laughs> we, we actually need to trust God when he says something. And although we can't see it, we know that faith is not by sight. We believe it. You know, we believe in the things that are unseen and bringing it into a natural. 
But still, our physical mind, our human way of thinking, still we want things to work out a certain way that we can see it. And God says, no, you have to trust me. So reckless faith is its a crazy walk. Some, some people have to break through deeper for others, I believe. And that is what God has called us for. And we had to give everything away and trust God. And there was about six months altogether that we lived in the van with the two baby girls with my keyboard and a couple of clothes, just traveling and, you know, trusting God for every cent of petrol that we're driving and ministering to people that, you know, in rural places, nobody knew where we were. And God has just been faithfully providing and getting us to the place of complete separation of everything that we held onto, uh, you know, materialistic stuff, financial stuff that we sort of believe is a safety net or a security uh, to let go of everything and completely trust in him, to know that he is faithful, to know that he is the provider. I do want to stay on that point that you're at at the moment. People use scriptures for the logic behind staying safe, yeah. you know, like stewardship yeah. and God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power and a sound mind that you need to use mm. your logic and your mind and, and experience from the past and all that kind of thing. But what you're talking about is, is scary and it's unsafe and you're out of control. It and it's like, it, it's a place where not even a Christian, <laughs> you know, it, it and people will look around, other Christians will look at you and say, you, you're irresponsible. Um, and you've got, like yes. you, you've got a family, a wife, and two kids to look after to make these uh, reckless, irresponsible decisions. And then when you say, yes, but God mm -hmm. led me to do that, it's like this paradox, this catch-22, and it goes in our brains. We don't know how to consolidate what you're trying to say. I'm sure you must have had very interesting discussions with Christians around your whole philosophy. Wow. Well, what you've just said there, I've heard from so many people, from so many men of God, and I love them all. There's a lot of people all over the world that we sow into, that we give into our whole lives. And a lot of these people started saying, listen, dude, you have a responsibility towards your family. And I'm like, but I do trust God to look after my family. That, that doesn't say I... I put all the responsibility, just I shove it off and, you know, God will provide and I'm just this happy-go-lucky, which I am happy-go-lucky. But um, there is a responsibility that you have towards your family. But it's a very fine line uh, to, to come to that point of knowing what God has called you for and to try and block out everything that everybody else is saying. Because... People can sit and look at us and say, we are crazy, but they're not in the experience. They're not experiencing it firsthand. It's totally a different thing to what it looks at or what it looks like. And there's a lot of people that I trust to, to give a word to us. And we, there's a lot of people praying with us, but nobody can actually really make the decision or tell me exactly what to do because I have to listen to the voice of God myself. Because I, I really believe that God speaks to everyone the same way, but also differently. Because you're in another walk of life. I, I can't reach the people that you are reaching. I'm not doing what you are doing. I'm doing something totally different. And God uses me in a different way. So I can't put the things that I believe and how I walk, I can't put that on somebody else and say, you know what, this is the way you need to walk. And this is the way you need to believe. I do believe that 
as preachers and as ministers, we give the word of God, but that is not the end all be all. That is only an encouragement that we need to encourage one another with our walks of faith. But my walk of faith is not to say, listen, this is the five steps that you need to do to get to that place. Cause it's going to be totally different to yours. And with that saying that, um, there was this one guy that said, listen, dude, your family is suffering and this and that. And I said, they're not suffering. Yeah, but you have to do this and you, you have to do ministry like this. And I asked God, I said, God, I can't, I trust these people, but I can't do this. This is bothering me. And God said, what size shoe do you wear? And I said, God, well, I'm, I'm wearing a size 13. He says, well, that guy's wearing a size 8 shoe. You can walk in your shoes for maybe a week, but your feet is going to be messed up after that. Why don't you just wear the size 13 that I gave you and walk in it? You take encouragement, you take word from other people, but you also grow into knowing God's voice personally because I believe Jesus is personal with every single one of us. And to be encouraged by one another and not to be judged by one another, not to feel, you know, I've, I've done that and I ask forgiveness. But even in the last couple of weeks with recording, I've been looking at artists that I'm, I'm looking up to them and I, I say, God, yo, I wish I could be like that guy. I wish I can write songs like that guy. And God says, but I've called you the way you are. I've, I've put everything that I am in you for the specific calling that you have, the specific person and character that I've placed in you is different. Why don't you appreciate that and just walk out who you are and not try to compare yourself to, to one another. Enjoy one another. Celebrate everybody's difference, but enjoy who you are. I've called you for something greater. And it's not to say that this one is greater than that one. It's all different aspects of God, and that's where community comes in. If we can appreciate what God is in ourselves, in our own persons, and, and then look at somebody else and say, you know what, that guy, what he has, I'm learning from that, and he can also learn from me. But we never compare the different anointings and different characters that God has placed in each and every one of us. But walking by faith, I don't think everybody needs to go through the crazy stuff that we've been through. Some people need to just walk it through so other people can see, you know what, it's possible. And the walk of faith and, and the relationship with God and the anointing, it's not something that you can teach anybody. It's something that you have to experience for yourself. Because all the ways of God is different to our way of thinking. And I love what Job 5 says. He says, if I were you, I would throw myself at the mercy of God for after all, he is famous for doing great and unexpected acts. And he is a God full of surprises. His surprises never ends. And God has been speaking to us about that a lot. He wants to surprise us. And, and we sort of tend to take everything in control. You know, we want to work things out the way we want to, you know, financial stuff, working stuff, family stuff. We have a certain way that we grew up with or the world system has put stuff in place that we need to live by. You know, this is how you serve your family. This is how you get money. This is how, and it's not at all what God has planned for us. He's planned for us to just be his children and just accept his goodness. And thinking of that scripture that he, his surprises never ends. God said, I want to surprise you. But if I know what's going to happen, it's not a surprise anymore. Yeah. And I've, I've seen it with my kids, you know, I've, 
I can, I can go buy them something and if they know what it is, it's not a surprise. But if I tell them I'm going to surprise them, they have no idea what it is. And then I, I do surprise them with this little gift. It might be the smallest, insignificant little thing that I get for them. But because it was a surprise, there's this anticipation from them. And then there's this appreciation that comes with it. Even though it's so small and insignificant, it was a surprise. And God is like that. He wants to surprise us. And he wants to see that smile on our faces because that gives him that, that smile. And, and he just loves us. He's never going to fail us. He's never going to leave us. But can we let go of our fears and anxieties and trying to be in control the whole time and just let God be God? Let me just one scripture, 1 Peter 5. I know it says in Chronicles, Corinthians, but let's, let's take the scripture in 1 Peter 5. It says, God resists the proud. And I will always come back to the scripture. He resists the proud. He stands against the people that are proud, full of pride. It says, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you by casting your cares. Because I was asking God about humility. What is true humility? And God says, if you cast your cares and control, just your anxieties and fears, cast it on me. That is true humility. Then I can care for you. I can exalt you. But if you take matters in your own hands the whole time, try to control the situations, try to work everything out the way you think it should, that is called pride. And I resist you. I can't do anything for you. I'm standing back. But if you let go, and trust me, I will exalt you. Then explain to me, like you were now saying, you were living out of the car. My, my brain <laughs> tries to compute this. <laughs> so show me a day in your life or a season in your life. When you're talking about ministry, does it mean you go to churches? or Because gatherings, it's changed. Everything's changed so much. How physically Wonderful. and practically do you minister these days? Well, um, since we've been in Joburg, we, we got invited to a few places, but me and my wife, we went out into the streets. Um, there's one particular moment in jo Johannesburg when we lived there. God said, wherever he places us, communities will change. And there's like a little shopping center that we live close by. And sometimes we had to walk to, to the shops and we go do business, you know, go buy food for the babies. But wherever we go, we release the love of Jesus. I'm, uh, I'm a person that's very outgoing. I, I can talk to anybody. But whoever we talk to behind the tills or in any shop at a hair salon, we start talking to people. And what's inside will come out. If you're busy with God, if you're filled with, the, with God's love and you, you're just so in love with his presence, everything that's going to come out is what you put in. And so ministering like that, you don't see that it's ministering, but everyone that you touch, if you greet someone, the anointing, the power of God flows through your hands. And I believe that if you are aware completely of God the whole time, it doesn't matter where you find yourself, the presence of God will flow to someone else. And so we were just going to the shops, you know, every day or every week. And probably a couple of weeks, I don't know, three weeks later, we came to to this one place or well, my wife went there. Uh, she's busy with some hair stuff or something. 
she came back and just by us going to the shops, greeting people, just releasing the love, not, not forcefully doing anything, just being who Jesus called us to be and be the love of God. They phoned us and said, listen, we want you guys to come have prayer meetings in our business. And there's a lot of atheists there that don't believe in God. So they invited my, my wife to actually go have prayer meetings every morning before they start working. We didn't do anything for it. We didn't push ourselves into any place. They started calling us. And we stayed there for seven months in that area. So after the second month we were there, that whole place, that whole shopping center knew us. And we went like, we were probably living like two or three kilometers from the place. But just by being there, people started noticing, listen, these guys, you know, they carry God with them. And especially in, in COVID and lockdown and all this carrying on, people are hungry for truth and people are hungry for life. People started getting scared. And here's this couple with two kids just walking around laughing every day, having fun. It looks like they made it. And, and people started asking questions. And with those questions, what do we give? We give God. We give life. We give love. And that's what we've been doing. And when we landed in Hermanus, uh, the first couple of weeks, we just out in the streets. We went to the beach. Somebody nearly drowned, uh, and they got the guy out. He went into hypothermia, into shock, stopped breathing. And I was walking past, and God said, why don't you just pray for him? So I go there, and there's a lot of atheist friends with him, and people are freaking out, and they called the paramedics. Paramedics is not coming. They they have to drive out, so it's a, it's a far way out to drive. So they're waiting, and this guy stopped breathing. And so I just go there, I stop praying for him, call him back to life, just pray with him the whole time. Then he sort of got back to consciousness, and he started hearing me praying and just pleading the blood of Jesus and calling him back to life. And when he actually came to consciousness, the first thing he said, Hey, dude, I don't want this Jesus stuff. I don't believe. I don't want, I said, Dude, you don't have to take it. I, I'm giving it to you. God loves you, and he just saved your life. He says, yeah, but I don't want to. I, I said, you don't have to do anything. Just lie there. Just get yourself well. I'm just releasing life over you. And eventually, when he really gained consciousness, could start breathing again and started getting peace into his body, the paramedics came there. They checked him, and they said, no, he's fine. He's fine. They got him up. And later, he came and said, thank you. I said, my life was, the devil tried to take my life three times this month and God keeps saving me. And thank you for coming to, to give me life. Thank you for coming to pray with me. And it's not trying to force something into somebody. It's just being at the right place at the right time, releasing the love of Jesus. And probably two weeks later, I was driving in the streets and God said, turn left, turn right. And I'm driving in this back, back alley. And all of a sudden, I drive past this guy, and he fell to the ground. And God says, go pray for him. And I stopped the car, left the car running. I ran to this guy, and he was already to the ground. And he had a heart attack. And he died in the street, in a back street. There's nobody there. So I just grabbed him, called him back to life, because that's what we know. And after five minutes, he came back to life. I got him up, talked to him. I took him out. I was actually on my way to go draw some money, the last money that we had, just to buy some groceries. And God said, you draw that money and give everything to him. 
he told me his whole story and God is so faithful. We gave all the money to him and I was rejoicing. You know, in, in that week, God started providing other stuff that we needed. So it's not, it's a, it's a wonderful way to live, although it's a very scary place to be because you don't always have the funds for everything you need, but yet you have everything because you just walk in that, that love and that grace the whole time. It's completely letting go of your mind. And the other thing is people always think, you know, I need to hear God's voice audibly because those guys hear God's voice audibly or I need to have a specific clear sign. But yet the Bible says that we are led by the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit are called the sons of God. And I believe we are the sons of God. Mm. Therefore, you are led by the Spirit. The song is called Look at the Stars. You were just talking about the sky being the limit. The stars being the limit. There aren't any limits if it's God's limits. So what's the song no about? Limits. Well, uh, the one morning I woke up five o'clock and immediately just grabbed my Bible. I just had an urge to open the Bible. And I opened it at Job 22. And if you read Job 22, you might not understand everything. It looks a bit negative and all these things. But right at verse 12, I, I think it was the Message Bible. And it says, you agree, don't you, that God is in charge? Now, this came out of a couple of days of also being in a place of we need a house, I need, to, you know, I need a house for my family. We trust in God. He's promised us all these things. And, and we're just walking by faith. And sometimes it gets to the needy, greedy stuff where it needs to happen now. Otherwise, we're in big trouble. And a lot of people asking us questions. And we're praying for a lot of people. And they're breaking through. And yet we are in a place of God. We need this breakthrough right now. And talking to people the previous day about a lot of situations in South Africa and people are moaning and getting scared and, and we're just releasing the word of God. But yet, uh, personally, with me and my wife and the kids, we're sitting at a place of we need a breakthrough right now. And uh, going to bed, I was praying about this. And then I woke up five o'clock in the morning, which I don't do. I don't wake up five o'clock. So Job 22, verse 12, I open up and says, you agree, don't you? that God is in charge. He runs the universe. Just look at the stars. I jumped up. I started shouting and rejoicing, and I ran to the piano, took my phone, and I started recording. And that was the first line of the song. You agree, don't you, that God is in charge? He runs the universe. Just look at the stars. And, and God started reminding me of all the songs that he's given me. Of One title was Just Be Aware of Me, you know. So was it Psalm 42 verse 6 says, Be still and know that I am God. If you can do that and know that he is God, can you believe that he's in charge? Can you see that he's in charge? No, we look at the world around us. No, it doesn't look like God is in charge. Everything is going to crazy. And people are doing weird stuff and everything just cuckoos in the world. But what do we look at? What are we focusing on? And God says, just look up. Just look at the stars. Look at creation. I'm running everything. Everything is just going on. It's forever increasing. And can you believe that I am in charge and I'm in charge of your life? And one of the last lines in the chorus, Job 36 verse 11 says, If they listen and obey God, they will be blessed with prosperity throughout their lives. 
all their years will be pleasant. And that's sort of a, if you, if you listen to that, it sounds like a fantasy life. It sounds like a, a fantasy line, you know, someday we'll have a pleasant life. And to live a pleasant life doesn't mean you have got all the finances. To live a pleasant life doesn't mean you're the richest person. To live a pleasant life is to know and believe and be in a place of God is in control of your life because he is everything. And if you can trust him and just be aware of him, look at everything around you and be grateful. Like Paul said, in every situation that I'm in, if I have nothing or if I have everything, I've learned to be content and to trust God and obey him every step of the way.